It is time for one of the great segments uh, in uh, Sky Sports Radio, and it is Monday's Experts, and it's an opportunity for us, as we always say, to find out a little bit about the person behind the name. We regularly hear this voice on a Thursday morning around 9.35 on Racing HQ, and for our older listeners, you would have heard his voice on 2KY, etc., for many, many moons. Jock Gologly is his nickname. Alan Gologly is, of course, who we're chatting to. Jock, welcome to Monday's Experts. Good morning, David. Good morning, listeners. Now, I contacted you uh, to come on this particular segment. I know you've been doing a bit tough in lockdown. You, you can't get to the track at the moment. And you live for going for the track. And I thought it's a good opportunity for us for the next half an hour to to talk about you, mate, and switch off for a while and, and have a bit of a laugh too. I want to know where it all began. Where did you grow up? Uh, born and bred Brisbane. Yep. Uh, and primary school, uh, Ascot State School, and my best mate to this day went to also went to our school, uh, Bart Sinclair, well yes. in Brisbane. Um, we even played... Uh, we played Aussie Rules together, under 11s, under 12s, 22 games one year, 22 games, 21 wins, David. Fair thing. So you were a bit, you were good with the AFL? Yeah, I still am. Uh, I was a rover. I still am a rover. <laughs> um, then went to Barton, went to Church of England Grammar School. And I went to Nudgee College, a high-profile school in Queensland. I went to boarding school for five years there. Very much so. Um, five years at boarding school. Uh, ran the... Wasn't great at school, but I stuck it out. And uh, was the bookie at Melbourne Cup Day every year. <laughs> 1967, I think, over the... What do you call it? The loudspeaker at the school. Alan Globley wanted in the principal's office. Oh, my God. The cup's on in about an hour. So I go to the principal, Brother Bolton. Sit down, Alan. Yes, brother. He said, I'm just going to ring your mother to come and pick you up. You're expelled for being a bookmaker on the Melbourne Cup. Right. I said, can I say something before you ring? Mother. He said, yes, go for your life. So I pulled a piece of paper out of my pocket. And I said, have a look at this. There's eight of your Christian brothers who have had a bet with me. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no phone call to mum. Oh, did you have a win? Yeah, I won four out of the five years. Won four out of the five years. I, uh, look, they got me in... They got me in... Uh, oh, it was a sting. Polo <laughs> Prince. A couple of New Zealand kids were at school and they... Polo oh. something like 33 to 1. Oh, no. And yet and no drama's paying out, obviously. No, I had to ring mum to drive to the school <laughs> with some cash. <laughs> what about the horse? Okay, so you're going through life, you're at the boarding school. When did you... Obviously, racing's in the family. Yeah, but, my grandfather was a leading. Yeah. But at what point did you make the decision to, to go into race riding? Because I'm... And I'm just presuming just from chatting to you in the last five minutes, that your parents obviously threw you the way of Nudgee College in the boarding yeah. school. And Nudgee, for those in Sydney, would be like a King's or a Scots. Like, it's it's prestigious. So yeah, were, yeah, they not, w- were they not wanting you to go down the racing path? No, they wanted me to be anything 
far involved in racing. And um, I why is that? What, what, why do you think that is? Oh, they knew how tough the world was in racing. If you didn't make it, um, they wanted me to be an accountant, a lawyer, a chemist, whatever. So, and and I, I was probably heading that direction. My up there, it was it's probably equivalent to year eleven down here. Mm. And then I started to get thinking and thinking. My weight was still, you know, I'm 16 year old and I'm 48 kilos. And so, year 11, I failed. I made sure I failed. I didn't do a bit of homework, anything. So I finished nowhere. What they do, Mum and Dad sent me back to repeat the class. Yeah. So, <laughs> come, come 1968, finished at Nudgy. What do you want to do, Alan? So want to be a jockey. Well, you should have seen their faces drop. So they said, okay, you've had an education. You've had a great education. We'll let you be apprentice to your grandfather. And that's where it started. What was his uh, response? You know, was 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 granddad because was was granddad a um, you know was he was he all all guns blazing Hello. for it? Yeah, no, I can hear you, Jock. Can you hear me? Is there, Dave? Oh, I can hear you, mate. Have we lost okay, you? Okay, the earplugs went. Um, so sixty-eight out, I come and want to be a jockey, and they said, "Well, give it a go, and if you don't, you're not successful, or you don't like it, you can fall back on another trade." Yeah. What was Granddad like, though? It was he a tough, uh, tough marker? Mr. Fred Best, yeah, he was a tough marker. Um, <laughs> fantastic trainer. He won 17 trainers' premierships between 1950 and 1975, I suppose. 17 trainers' premierships. He got put in the Australian Hall of Fame about 13 years ago. Um, very tough man, yeah, but we got on well, you know. Yeah. And what about the pressure, though, for you? I mean, or did you, were you just that young that you were, you know, when you're young and you don't really feel that pressure? It's not until maybe I think you sort of get into your 20s that you start to really understand the enormity. Like, I mean, because you were so young, did you understand, you know, what was at stake, considering, you know, the reputation that your grandfather had, etc.? Yeah, I wasn't ever under any pressure. I was riding some very good horses and um, I won two apprenticeship titles in um, Brisbane, and the only pressure I felt was uh, when I was legged to Port Bengala Lad in 1972 in the 10,000. Talk us through that moment. Oh, look, he was a great horse to me. Um, in those days, the Stradbroke was before the 10,000, two weeks before the 10,000. I rode him in the Stradbroke, he drew barrier 20, three, four deep all the way, got beat ahead by Triton, um, exciting Brilliant, which is um, New Zealand horse ridden by Larry Olson. So the next fortnight till the 10,000, my grandfather, every top rider in Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne rang up to get under the neck of this 21-year-old kid. And I didn't think he would, my granddad, but he stuck solid. He stuck solid. And what, uh, what, Why do you say that? Why do you say you didn't think he would stick solid? Well, just knowing granddad, when I said the word tough before, he... He didn't want to let this opportunity go by by me doing something wrong. And he admitted, he admitted even that night, you know, he was going to take me off for a top rider. Uh, the owner had something to do with it, Ron Humble from Gundawindi. Uh, he, he, he just said, I want Alan, I want Alan. So, whoa, the horse was three to one, four to one favourite. And, uh, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. I'll tell you, a nervous wreck I was. I'd none of the races. I had about six rides. And, uh, 
I pulled up the garage on our corner there near Doombin, not to buy petrol. I bought 20 cigars to give to the jockeys when I won. <laughs> but Dave, right. I, threw, I threw the cigars in the boot and also my car keys with them. So I missed the first two races. Oh, no. So anyway, you, would, you, you would have been just a mess. I was, anyway. I settled down. Uh, horse drew well. He drew barrier two or three. Finished fourth the fence. I knew the leader was 100 to one chance. And I said to the jockey on the 100 to one chance in the barriers, look, if I'm having a bit of trouble getting a run, I'll yell to you. you got no hope. So I get into the turn. I'm boxed in, and I yelled out to you. I won't say his name. And he moved off the fence. He didn't move off the fence. He nearly went into Brisbane Airport. <laughs> and the race caller said, Vince Curry, God love him. He said, Alan Ogley's got a miracle rails run on Ben Galilad. And the race is over. <laughs> yeah, if you shut your eyes, do you, does it feel like you're there yesterday? Like you could just vision that that, that whole race is just a uh, you know a magical imprint in your brain, in your memory. Oh, yes, Dave. I, I like it. Yesterday, today, now I can I can see it. I can see the colours. I can see the winning pace. I can see the raising the whip. I can see Mum and um, all my family in the grandstand above the number one stall. I can see the party that night, yeah, it was, was brilliant for a 21-year-old boy, you know. What about after that? Because we often see these days with young apprentices, and it's a different world now, but, you know, like you have success as a young kid, and to keep that momentum running, I mean, it kind of, a, for a jockey, you're kind of like a tipster, you're only as good as your last win, um, you know. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't easy, um, it wasn't easy, um, I battled away in uh, Brisbane probably for the next that was 72, 73, 74, with riding in Brisbane, uh, Gold Coast, Bundamba, etc. <laughs> but as you come out of your apprenticeship and uh, got a big-headed, got a big, big-headed, uh, enough said. I drove a purple LS Monaro with white leather seats. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, and granddad... Um, Started to use some higher profile jockeys. I wasn't in the rides with him like I used to. Yeah, it, it, it was tough, but anyway, I um, I did a few. Nineteen seventy three. This is about a year a year after Doomman Ten Thousand. A guy rang me up. He said, "There's Bob Tozer here." I said, "Yes, Bob." He said, "I think I can win the Port Moresby Cup in two weeks' time. Would you like to come up and ride it?" I said, "Yeah, all right." So here I go to Port Moresby and all things. Lindsay was, uh, just met Lindsay then. She was still married. And I said, Lindsay, would you like to go to Port Moresby for the weekend? She said, how am I going to? I said, I don't know how you're going to get away. But then you might put me husband. Oh, anyway, right. <laughs> Lindsay got the plane to tell the husband she was going to visit a girlfriend in town. Oh. And she jumped on the plane to Port Moresby. Right. Uh, <laughs> so we win the cup. We're in the jockey's room, and the bloke riding the favourite, he's got a pair of glasses on like Clark Kent. And he started yeah. putting elastoplast on the glasses on his head. He's wearing the glasses. He's horn-rimmed glass in the cup. So out we go. Dirt track, stones everywhere. And my bloke said, legging me up, he said, look, this bloke wearing the glasses, he'll go to, he'll go to the front. So just sit behind him. Right. Up go the gates of 
Clark Kent misses the kick four lengths. So I go straight to the front and I bolted him. And when I turned around past the winning post, look at Clark Kent. His face was like a smashed windscreen. I just oh. kept throwing the rocks back and broke all his glasses. I've seen a photo of this Port Moresby Cup. It's one of the biggest trophies you've ever won. Oh, isn't it a huge trophy? <laughs> it's huge. It's it, racing's been good to you because you have had, you have been able to travel around, haven't you, a lot, and you've got to experience many things. Yes, I have, David. I you know a couple of years after that when I. Granddad and I were on talking terms, but I said he was putting better riders on, and I can't blame him. So I went bush. I said to Dad, look, I'm going to go to Cunnamulla. I've rang up Barry Miller, the leading trainer in Western Queensland. I'm going to go bush for a few months, clear my head. So I threw Dad into the Ellis Monaro, 10 hours drive to Cunnamulla. And Barry Miller, for those who don't know, was uh, he trained Shower Hart to win a Stradbroke. So he graduated from Cunnamulla and Charleville. So I went out there for oh, four months, I suppose, riding at Charleville, Cunnamulla, Quilpy, St George, Roma, etc., etc. Rode 39 winners out of 75 rides. Mm-hmm. People mightn't remember, you know, a show in that era called Bellbird? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. 6.30 every Saturday So you've got to have to sit down. Had to have dinner before Bellbird came on. We're all watching Bellbird. Halfway through Bellbird, the phone rings. And all the millers said, oh, no, people don't ring at this time. I said, I'll get it. Hello? Alan, it's George Moore. And I knew his voice. Was, he said, what the hell are you doing at Cunnamulla? You won the 10,000 a year or two ago. <laughs> well, just here. He said, I need a number two rider to my son Gary in Hong Kong. It's there for you. Well, I only fell off the chair, and uh, next minute, Dave, in mid-July 75, here I am um, in Hong Kong riding for the great George Moore. How did he track you down? There was no Facebook, Twitter back then. How did he get the number? I rang Grandad. Oh, right. Rang Grandad. They were good mates because he won a Doom and Cup for Grandad on Booklink. Yeah. Um, so away I went, and... Uh, Kicked off with a double on the first day at Happy Valley because Gary was riding in France then. Yeah. And uh, but it got basically I was I was just there to ride the fifty to one chance and Gary was on the favourite. But it was an outstanding experience. Um, I got to ride against the likes in the uh, English winter. All the top jockeys had come to Hong Kong and the Piggots, the Pat Edderies, the Willie Carsons, the Eve Summertime from France and. Yeah, we enjoyed it. I only stayed the one season, but I was probably, what am I, 24, 25-year-old, and it was a bit fast for me, and I got very homesick. Yep. And uh, Lindsay and I, um, and her daughter, I mean, the marriage was over, as you could probably expect, um, we came back to prison. <laughs> <laughs> you are one of a kind, Jockalogly. Um Okay, so you come back to Brisbane. What about... Um, Continuing on, and I, w- I want to bring this up because it's important. Um, because you and I had a conversation when we went and got, uh, well, I, I got my uh, my moles checked, and yes. I got a mole cut out of my the back of my leg, which I didn't think was anything, and I put it on. Um, it gave me a little bit of a fright, but nothing to the fright that you had. No. Um, so we go Hong Kong, we go Brisbane, then arrive to Newcastle in '76. 1983, 
every time I've, for a few months I've been riding and I've got this black mole on the inside of my leg about four inches below my knee. And when I was riding, it used to bleed all the time because I'm rubbing that part of my leg against the saddle. So my doctor was a good friend at his house one Sunday afternoon, barbecue, swimming, pair of budgie smugglers on. He said, how long you had that black mole on your leg? I said, about four months. Any trouble? I said, it bleeds when I'm, bleeds when I'm riding. Come and see me at 8 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning. I was on the operating table at 11 a.m. with a malignant cancer. Jeez. So that was, you know, I thought the world had collapsed, actually. About the size of your fingernail, I suppose, but had the operation. Um, put me out of the saddle for a couple of years, and uh, touch wood, it hasn't come back. But, yeah, that's how it happened, though. When you came back, what about the, the comeback? Because it's extraordinary, and I know I've seen that newspaper article that um, I think Jeff Wilson did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to, to get back to riding after something like that, that that's, a, that's a, a feather in your cap, Jock. Yeah, my mind wasn't totally in it. I didn't last long at the comeback. I won racing. But... Sydney, um, one day at Warwick Farm and naturally around here, but I don't know, psychologically I wasn't right. In you know, in between recovering from that melanoma, I could walk and everything was fine. I'd go to the races and got a job in and Lindsay said, yeah, Lindsay kept looking up positions vacant every morning in the paper. Anyway, she found a circle around one morning. She said, here, Rundle's menswear, the top menswear shop in Newcastle, looking for a salesman, go down. Why don't you apply? I said, oh, jeez, I'm enjoying going to the race in a couple of days a week trying to back a winner. So she pushed me down the hill for the interview. Anyway, about a week later, the boss of Rundle's, Lindsay Rundle, rings up and said, Alan, we're going to give you the job. Oh, jeez, I thought we've got to go to work. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I stayed there for about three years, great three years, great three years. And they let me ride on Saturdays, David, and my day off. So I was doing both. Did you get a contra deal with them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember Chris Lees came in when he was a teenager for a pair of trousers. He said, what are you doing down there? I said, I'm measuring your inside leg with the tape measure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> with... With obviously Newcastle and the fact that you've you know you you've knew obviously Chris's father you know Chris yes. uh, very well you've been a part of that Lee's family you're all you are almost a part of the family. Well, David, when I came here in '76, uh, before I moved into a home unit, I stayed with um, Joe and Elaine Quinn, and Elaine Quinn is Vicky Lee's mother. Mm-hmm. So that it's gone goes back a long time. Yeah. It must make you proud to to see the way racing has, you know, developed over the the many moons there in Newcastle, and obviously how Chris has, you know, with his team. I think I think it's safe to say Max would be pretty proud. Oh, extremely so. Like when I first came here, every trainer, the top trainers, how things have developed. David, they'd have twenty horses. Mm. You know, they, and Chris got two hundred on his books, and they were. Like Roy Hinton, Paul Perry, Eric Sanford, Warren Edwards, they all had very good horses in that era, uh, but only had 18 to 20 horses. 
And, um, you know, I've seen a, a lot of great horses come out, come out of, of Newcastle, like mm. the Schwarzies, Astratums, Fastnet, Rocks, Luskin, Starks, Amantha, Miss, et cetera, et cetera. So, mate, after that, um, the 90s was, if you want to start into it, the 90s was yeah. a change in fortune, career. Um, probably 1988, I rang the Newcastle Herald, asked to speak the sporting editor, Stuart Roach. I said, Stuart, there's not enough racing in the paper, Newcastle Herald. I'd like to write a column. What experience have you got? I said, I've got a good education. So he said, I'll get back to you, as I do. <laughs> so he said, all right, write a column for the Newcastle Cup, which is on in a couple of weeks. We'll see how you go. So I wrote a column, and that graduated to two columns a week in the Newcastle Herald on racing, 88. Yeah. 99, 2KY picked me up to do, um, what is it, Mountain Yard Mail on radio, which I went to. Oh, look, I did about 22 to 25 tracks for 2KY. I was north, south, east and west doing that, and I loved it. Uh, Prime Television picked me up to do a Friday night uh, service on the weekends racing. Um, it all just was pretty good, David, in the most of the 90s. Uh, ran off the rails a bit in the late 90s. Uh, lost my way, unfortunately. And um, can I say why? Yeah, if, if, if you feel comfortable. It's entirely up to you, mate. Well, this is about your life. Mate, I... People don't... Um, uh, I got involved with poker machines. Um, and what a dreadful thing they were. Um, Lindsay again said, come on, about 1998, 99. If you don't stop this, find somewhere else to live. I went down the hill one Monday morning to Gamblers Anonymous. And uh, these people have been through this. It's the toughest time you get up and talk in front of a group of people who all got the same problem as you. I went there for seven months every Monday at 10 a.m., and I haven't played a poker machine since 2001. Very, very well said, mate. Um, so, again, what am I going to do? Get on the phone. I love the phone. Rang the sportsman. Spoke to the editor, Paul Nicholas, Michaelis. I said, you got no clocker at Newcastle. Well, you should have a clocker here. They're at McRose Hill, Eagle Farm. He said, all right, have a go. So 20 years later... Uh, I've been clocking for the sportsmen and writing a column for them till, like others, got made redundant last year. And you're doing uh, a fine job, though, for Sky Sports Radio, mate. I, I, mean, I love having you on on a Thursday, and I met you, was lucky enough to meet you through my work on the Big Sports Breakfast, uh, where, you know, a lot of the Newcastle boys listen to it. Um, mate, I, I, I always, one thing I respect, and you've done it perfectly in this half an hour, is just your honesty. The 90s were great, though, getting on to the good parts. Like 2KY, 95 and 96, Channel 9 ring up. 95, they ring up. We'd like you to be the man on the white horse, like Johnny Letts, interviewing jockeys after the Cox Plate on Cox Plate Day. Wow. <laughs> so down I go. Octagonal <laughs> beat mahogany. The following year, they said, you did a good job. Want you to do it again. Down I went. Saintly beat Falante. The two greatest days I've ever had on a racetrack without being a jockey. Incredible. 
Incredible. What's it about the horse you love, Alan? Their temperament, their kindness. Um, they love their, they love their pats and their cuddles. And oh, look, they're they're just such an outstanding equine specimen. That's the best way to put it. One thing you've always been big on, uh, Alan, and I know this for a fact, is that young people coming through, you kind of haven't forgotten, well, you never have forgotten where you've come from. You were that young bloke one day looking for a start, an opportunity, and you're always willing to lend a hand to those that are young coming through. What do you say to anyone out there listening that, that is young and, you know, they might be similar to you, they might be going and doing their studies, but they just love the racing game. What's your advice to them? Who love the racing game? Yeah. Oh, look at old cliche. Follow your dream. Um, get advice from elders. A lot of people don't these days. They think they know too much. It's don't be too hum. You know, be humble. Just go and ask people who've been in the game for thirty, forty, fifty years, and they're they're the best advice you, you can get from anyone. And uh, and especially in racing, if you. You must be a morning person, David. It's no good coming yeah. to stables wanting a job and um, you're grumpy at 4am or 5am. You've got you've got to love the early hours. But I'd say get the advice off your elders. That's the best one I can say. Very good advice. What about the best horse you've seen? Oh, seen, ridden. Um, I had a great affinity. I rode a horse, Crackwork, uh, 1971. I won the 10,072. Rode a horse to fill a lotter in track work called Baguette. Absolute machine. Um, Favourite horses, Saintly Manicato. Saved the best to last, Luskin Star, who I was fortunate enough to ride in a barrier trials and track work when Johnny Wade wasn't available. Jock, before I let you go, mate, um, you've stirred them up on the text line. Uh, there's oh. some good characters out there, as you know. <laughs> there's one bloke that said, can you ask Jock to send me the 200 he snipped off me at the Gunnedah, Calcutta in 1999? <laughs> oh, they're good. <laughs> they're good, aren't they? It's been a tell pleasure. Him I put it in a po- tell him I put it in a poker machine. <laughs> <laughs> Jock, I appreciate talking to you, mate. As I said, you we... You know when I won my last, last ride in a race, David? When was it? It was an unofficial race. 1994 Villiers Day, the AJC had a Golden Oldies Cup, which all retired jockeys rode in. And you won it. That was my last ride. I won on Alert Me. It was a good sprinter for Max Lees. And beat Malcolm Johnson. Who else rode in that day? Peter Myers, Teddy Doon, Sydney Spinks, Neville Voigt. Yeah, it was a great occasion. Mate, it's been a pleasure talking to you because I'm sure there's some things that we didn't know about you when we, we come on on a, uh, on a Thursday and, and have a yarn to you about what's happening in Newcastle at the track and et cetera, and I think it's brilliant, mate. You've been very honest today and very uh, very humble, and as I said, thanks for being on Monday's Experts. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Dave. Thank you.